What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. It's NBA draft night, but, you know, for purposes of, of being transparent, we're recording at 6 on Wednesday, so it's actually right before the NBA draft. I'm sure some things will pop up maybe as we're recording, but there's still lots to talk about in the NBA. I'm your host, James Jackson, joined by my guys, a residential statistician, Stat Matt Robinson, and joining us all the way from his dorm room at the University of Pittsburgh, my guy, Kyle Sirik. Y'all, even before we get started, already some news starting to pop off. Y'all got rid of that Al Horford contract, being two Sixers fans. I know y'all happy about that. Shout out to Daryl Morey. Love him. I love the trade, too. We, we brought in the shooter, and we brought in Terrence Ferguson, who I think is actually pretty good. For a first and a second round pick? Matt said it before, but I worry about a 2025 first rounder. Yeah, 2025. When I can find 2024 comes pick. around. Yeah. 34th pick this draft. Decent. I'm. It's fine to get rid of it. To get rid of it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's worth to get rid of Al Horford, huh? That's that's all. That's Daryl Morey came in, looked at the sheet of paper, and was like, "That Al Horford contract got to go. Like that. That can't be on our payroll." Um, but that not the only thing to pop off. You know, even even this week, we saw some major trades happen, and let's get into them right now with the facts straight at you. We saw Chris Paul in a bag in a hall get traded from the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Phoenix Suns. And Chris Paul has a higher points per possession off the pick and roll with nine different big men than the Suns have with DeAndre Ayton. And that leads us right into our first talking point of first, like how is Chris Paul not only going to elevate DeAndre Ayton's game, but elevate Devin Booker's game, which if that game gets elevated, we're looking at a superstar in the making. How does Chris Paul do that? I'm thinking, uh, especially on the Booker side, this is going to be great for his production on the court now. I mean, obviously, Chris Paul doesn't bring in too much that Ricky Rubio couldn't in terms of passing the ball. We saw Ricky Rubio like fourth in assists last year. Paul wasn't there, but he's not going to not give you what Ricky Rubio could give you passing. He'll be fine. He'll be just as good. But what he does is he puts another offensive threat on the floor and takes the ball away from Devin Booker, who had won the highest usage race in the league last year. And that's not really his thing, just dribbling and pulling shots like that. So I think getting another offensive threat on the floor is going to let Devin Booker play more into the system, which time normally tells when you can play in your system and not be so ball dominant that it's way more efficient for your team. Right. I got I, I to disagree with the not much of an upgrade in passing because passing is not just about counting statistics and assists. You can see the smart passing of CP3, and you can see how he makes his players get in really great situations. Just look at last year, he improves Dennis Schroeder's true shooting percentage by almost seven full percent and improved Nerlens Noel's by 11%. I think it's more than just like the numbers of assisting. It's about the way he knows and how it all, it's him being a floor general on offense. And I think that makes such a, it's such an upgrade and it's more than just like the assist per game. I hear that. I just think like Rubio's in the league currently and he's been in the league for eight years now because he is an elite passer. And whether you want to say he is, I, I'm pretty sure it's pretty solidified. He's top 10 I, passer in the league. I gotta, I'm not trying to denounce Rubio. It's more like Paul is more of a threat offensively than Rubio yeah. because so he can create better offense through his passing ability plus his offensive ability. Paul opens up more than Rubio opens up in a passing game just because Rubio is way more limited offensively than Paul. And yeah. you talk about that that limited that Ricky Rubio is. That's another added addition or another wrinkle that Chris Paul brings to the Suns offense is also the clutch scoring being late in games. Now Devin Booker isn't your only clutch scorer going down into the fourth quarter. We know that last year Chris Paul led the league in quote-unquote clutch scoring, scoring in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter in overtime, right? So I know Devin Booker's not used to giving up the ball in crunch time like that, 
Um, but when it gets down to the wire, five, you know, five minutes left in the fourth quarter, if teams are queuing in on Devin Booker, there's another guy who can go and put the ball in the rim, and that's Chris Paul, especially from the guard position. Um, but, I mean, it, it, Devin Booker's not the only one that, that can elevate with Chris Paul there, man. We know what Chris Paul can do with big men. That That's where he really gets his game going. And a guy who's looking to make a third-year leap in DeAndre Ayton, like, can only be so happy with getting the, the best floor general in the NBA and Chris Paul. It's my guy. Yeah, I mean, as, as much as Booker's probably like a short-term upgrade on the court, you got to look at DeAndre Ayton getting Chris Paul as a long-term investment into his future and growth. And you're going to see it now. I mean, I believe Ayton could be a top five center in the league within the next two years, maybe even this year. And we saw the effect that Chris Paul had on like a Blake Griffin and what he did there. I can see the same type of production coming from DeAndre Ayton of those Lob City Clippers years. Yeah, I got to say, just to do a Suns comparison, I know Nash is different from CP3 in the times of careers he went there, but Amari was a a young up-and-comer, played two years in the league, averaged 17 like 16 and nine on like 47% shooting. He got snatched, boom, becomes an all NBA first team player averaging 26 and nine. Aiton, first two years, 17 and 10, like decent, good field goal percentage. Maybe Paul can give Aiton the Amari level boost. I, I would, not, would not doubt it at all. Like the IQ that Chris Paul brings, and you talked about it, Matt, like even when you talked about his passing, like passing isn't all just about the stats that come up on the paper, you know, at the end of the game, not just about the assists you rack up. There's so much that Chris Paul brings that'll never show up on a stat sheet. His leadership, his basketball IQ, his ability to develop young players. And like, that's ultimately what the, you know, what the Suns are looking to bring or looking to have when you bring in somebody like Chris Paul, like CP3, the best floor general in the NBA, one of the best we've ever seen in the league. Like, that's what he's going to do. That's that's how he's going to upgrade somebody's game. You have someone with such raw talent like Devin Booker, someone with such raw talent like DeAndre Ayton. You're, like, looking for them to get more polished. And and someone who's going to help you get a more polished game, a more well-rounded game, is going to be Chris Paul. And it, it's not going to be anything crazy. I mean, Chris Paul averaged, what, 18 and, 18 and 8 last year? 17 and 8? Nothing that flew off the screen, but he was an all-star nonetheless because you, you cannot – overlook what he does to a team but the intangibles that he brings to a team how much he makes a team better he's going to make the Suns team better it's, it's great am I happy that my favorite player is now in the Phoenix Suns I gotta go grab a Chris Paul Phoenix Suns jersey no I'm not too happy but I mean he's gonna make the Suns better he's going to the Suns are going to take a little bit of a leap or going to improve this season with Chris Paul no doubt I, I think I think another thing that we'll see out of him, too, that you don't really think about as much bringing in a guy like this is how it's going to affect you on the defensive side. Because Rubio's no defensive guy, and the Suns last year were prone to giving up a lot of points. They were 20th worst in the league on points allowed per game. And I think you have Aiton, who is a great rim protector, but having another perimeter defender out there is going to be really big for the Suns because Booker's not really that guy either. No, nah, he, he doesn't try to be. Chris Paul were bringing on both ends of the floor, was among the league leader in steals last season. So look, like, I, I get it. Like, the, the Suns are going to get a little bit better. The Suns are going to take the leap. But what's the realistic expectations for the Suns? Like, what, what, what can we honestly expect from the Phoenix Suns this year? I, I think I think they look to contend in the same way we've seen teams like Houston and Denver and Utah looking to contend in years past. We've obviously saw Houston has been to the conference semis. We saw the Nuggets this year. And I think this team is set up to do something that they can do or something that those teams of the past have done. I don't think they can beat the Lakers, but I, I think that's 
what they're looking to do this year? I think first year, they're basically like the Thunder were last year. They're young, up and coming, and Paul's going to make them like... And I don't then, think so. And I think like maybe like win a first round series, maybe not. And I, But I think the room for growth over the next year or two... However, like the year after, maybe the year after that, depending on how long Chris Paul, Paul's health, like, stays with him. They could really, I, if that boost could really make them a top three team. And I think they can be included among, like, the Denvers in, like, the biggest contenders with the Lakers in the conference. I you think got, you got to honestly, realistically think they're not contending with the Lakers. Like, they're, they're, they're just not. Like, are they really honestly going to go toe-to-toe with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? This team that we have yet to see play together no like, but, 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 I'm but to, even the clippers like i don't see them realistically contending with with the clippers if the clippers go and get a, a point guard and a solid guy a solid number two for Kawhi, not pandemic p i don't really see them contending with the clippers or the nuggets teams that made this this big leap last year i don't see it i disagree man i think they're on the same level as the nuggets are now i mean booker is amazing he hasn't been on a good team eight and i i said before i think he'll be a top five center in the next two years i could see it next year you got to think you have Embiid, Jokic, Gobert, and then after that, who's the top five center? Adebayo, and I think I'm missing one. I mean, he's going to be legit, and Cam Johnson's going to have a great year. I put them with the Nuggets right now, and to your question, can they contend with the Lakers? No, but who can outside of the Clippers? And we saw the <laughs> and we saw the Clippers lose to the Nuggets. I think instantly this team is looking like production-wise where the Rockets have been and where the Nuggets went this year. I think that they can be expected to do that, and if it doesn't work out. You got him again next year. That's true. You bring up you bring up a good point because there are other people besides Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton that benefit from this. Guys like Cam Johnson, a great catch and shoot guy. Guys like Mikel Bridges, a great three and D guy. Like, those are guys that are also going to benefit from playing alongside Chris Paul. Like it, 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 it's going to bring them up. But it, like when when I think contender, when I when I think contender, I don't mean second round Western Conference Finals. Can they get though? I think. Are they realistically a team that I can put my my hat on, put my eggs in a basket of winning an NBA championship? Like if I said the Phoenix Suns can go and win an NBA championship, would that make you score? It yeah. damn near did make you both score. But what 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 would would you consider the Nuggets in that conversation though? Absolutely. As a, a contender. contender, well, I think this Suns team is just as good and can do what the Nuggets did this past year. I, I, I'd have to see it now. Maybe, maybe I'm a little recency biased. The Nuggets were a buzzer beater away from making that series very interesting. That's what I'm talking about, man. Anthony Davis buzzer beater away from from uh, going up two one. Like I, I don't think in any scenario the Suns are ever going up two one on the Lakers ever. Not the, not with the team they have. But we said about, that about the Nuggets too. <sighs> Going into the Western Conference Finals, I mean it's basketball. At the end of the day, you got to play the games, and you put this roster on the floor. I, I trust them to do a lot. And also, we're getting a little bit down a rabbit hole here, but also the playoffs are an experienced man's game. Like when when do you, when do you see someone go all the way to Western Conference Finals when they haven't even made the playoffs before? Like I get this is the only the only eight no team in, in, in NBA bubble history, right? My they, favorite they stat. Yeah, they showed a whole lot of promise. They, they, there's, there's definitely fight. There is definitely a good team there, but contention, serious NBA title contention, is not what I see. And and I'm so frantic about that because anyone who knows me, anyone who's been following this podcast or anything that I do, knows that like you can never question my loyalty when it comes to fandom because I was a Hornets fan. I was a Clippers fan. I was a Rockets fan. I was a Thunder fan. And now, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to go to the desert. And be a Suns fan because like Chris Paul's my guy. Like I've I've 
put I, I put my stamp on that and said I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. But like, damn, damn it! Like, can I can I get him to a contender? Can I get a realistic chance of a ring? We did this last year. We did this with the oh look how impressive look look what he did with a young team bringing them to the playoffs to a fifth seed to a fourth seed. Wow, so impressive! Good job for Chris Paul solidifying you know his his first ballot Hall of Fame status. We did it. We did the mentoring. We did the raising young players. We we did all that. Now it's it's ring time. It's time for him to to be like Ray Allen, to be like Gary Payton, to be like Rajon Rondo, going and being a contributing piece on a title contending team. Everyone yeah, else gets that, but Chris Paul. Everyone he, else gets for him. But but he has had shots. With those Clippers teams that were the best teams in the West for a couple years, and with that Rockets team that probably should have made the NBA Finals and won it. I mean, I understand. Team goes to the NBA Finals, dethrones uh, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, Clay Thompson Warriors team. He doesn't get hurt. But and that's, that's, that was the NBA Finals in 2018, let's be honest. Yeah. That Cavs team was dog shit, and LeBron just carried them on his back as far as he could. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you, James. I, I hear you 100%. But. I don't think one year with the Thunder is is enough hurt to be like he needs to be on a contender because no, he's that, had contenders. That's that's him paying his dues. What do you mean? I, I know, but he's been it. I, I I don't think you can get as mad about this Suns thing because it makes sense. And and maybe Chris Paul just doesn't win a ring. He won't win a ring. I think. Yeah. He I, once Houston didn't work. I basically like unless something like drastic happens. I don't see a team being able to pay that contract while also being able to contend. Over eighty-four million dollars over the next two years. He, 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 him in the NBPA, the Players Association, was the biggest finesse when he raised the age up for how much you could get paid, and then instantly signed like the biggest contract for his age ever. Yeah, yeah, low, low key penned that and then turned around and did one. <laughs> I think his last shot to contend was if he went to the Sixers, which a lot of people thought might happen, but it didn't. So or I the think, Clippers. Or the or Clippers. The Clippers, yeah, the Clippers yeah. were on the sheet. And, and that's also what made me a little bit mad is so many other stars when they're about to get traded say, here are my list of demands, and it gets met. He said that. He said, the two teams I want to go to are the Sixers and the Clippers, and they were like, word, and sent him to the fronts. Yeah, it's tough. Right. But on that on that same topic, man, how well did the Thunder do in this trade? And the trade we're going to talk about later. I mean, the Thunder. I mean, Sam Presti is just, he's just a whole different tax bracket. I'm every other GM in the league right now. They pulled away a Kelly Oubre coming off of a career year. A Jalen LeCue, who I think becomes a good player at worst. Rubio to fill Paul's spot for a year. And a pick. I mean. And another one. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And another one. And another pick. Like, so yeah, Sam Presti absolutely did it. Look, to tie a bow in this entire conversation, my, my mind's been swirling about this trade. You know, it happened two days ago. I've had 48 hours to kind of decompress and accept it of where it is. And I understand that Chris Paul can be in a lot worse situation. You know, he could have got sent to the Hawks or got sent to the Kings or someone who's completely out of contention. And now he's going to do what he did last year. He's going to bring a young squad who didn't have a lot of promise coming into this season or coming into, you know, the end of last season, bring them to a first round playoff, you know, playoff berth, maybe at its ceiling a second round playoff exit but that's that's where it is that, the growth that, that ends right there the growth that he brought the thunder though if he brings the same level of growth for, to this team right now is a lot it's better a, and a can do a lot more not a, not yeah. a first round seven game series but a second round exit 
I, I think I think this team's way better than that Thunder team. I, I think you're going to have a lot of fun watching them in the regular season, but I understand when it comes playoff time, it's going to be annoying it's, that he didn't go to a contender. Talking about them in the same conversation as the Denver Nuggets team who matured a lot in the last two seasons. I mean, Jamal Murray is now is now stepping up into superstar status. We talked about in a, in, a, in a lot of previous episodes before, the biggest knock on Jamal Murray was consistency, and he brought that. We're watching a Utah Jazz team blossom before yeah. our eyes. Donovan Mitchell is stepping up. So those are teams that he have, he's going to have to contend with. You can Luckily, you could take the Rockets out of there because they're, they're literally imploding right before our eyes. But you still got teams like the Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz, who are, who are going to be up there in title and, and, and at least Western Conference Finals contention. And I don't think the Suns are there. I don't. I'm a, I have a pessimistic attitude because I want him on a like I want him on a title contender. Like I, yeah. I want I wanted him to go to a team where I'm like, yeah, we're we're knocking on LeBron's door, we're knocking on Giannis's door, we're knocking on someone's door to go win a championship. I just think if everything goes absolutely exactly perfectly right, the Suns lose in the second round in seven games. That's where I, that's that's my that's my prediction. That's where I see it right now. I agree with that prognostication. That, that's, I, I, I think they go a little further, but I'll I'll agree to disagree. I mean, further, further is the Western Conference Finals, but that's yeah. Hurt. I I think that well, you said if everything goes exactly right, I think yeah, they're in the Western Conference Finals. All right, man. Well, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. Not the only not the only trade to happen this past week. Not the only team to get an upgrade, and a team that drastically needed it, or they're in jeopardy of losing their star, the, the league MVP right now, is the Milwaukee Bucks who also pulled off a good trade, acquiring Drew Holiday and hopefully acquiring Bogdan Bogdanovic. Where I say hopefully because there's a report that just came out literally like 15 minutes ago from Woj saying that his signing trade is in jeopardy because he wasn't he didn't agree in principle to go to the Milwaukee Bucks. Why well, did the Kings Bucks? just forget to ask him? Because that seems like a very Kings thing to do. Yeah, seriously. Well, they're probably thinking like, why would he have a problem with that? Why would he have a problem with going to a team that was the best team in the Eastern Conference all season last year, a team who has the two-time league MVP on their squad, and why have a problem with that? It's not like he's going from like my. It's not like he's going from like a city from my like Miami to Milwaukee. He's going from like Sacramento to Milwaukee. So it's not really much of like a city downgrade either. I don't understand like why he wouldn't want to go, but I guess it's just the principle of like it's a signing trade. So in a signing trade, like I have to clear it, or I'm not going to re-sign with y'all, and you can't make this deal happen. Maybe he has, like, a low-key beef with, like, a Bucks player that we don't know about. That would be pretty funny. Like, I just hate Chris Middleton. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll see. Okay, well, we're going to step into Fanny Slam. We're going to act like this signing trade is going to go through on draft night, and Bogdan is going to the Milwaukee Bucks. So we'll focus first on Drew Holiday because you ask a lot of people in the league who's the most underrated player in the NBA, and 9 out of 10 people, 90% of people are going to tell you Drew Holiday. And... The Milwaukee Bucks right now are, are focused on one thing. How do we keep Giannis in Milwaukee? Because after next season, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. And there, there's a lot of talk about how he might be going. So how does Drew Holiday help that cause? How does Drew Holiday keep, you know, keep Giannis in Milwaukee? How does he upgrade the Bucks? He immediately gives them unbelievable, an unbelievable perimeter defender. People forget how, what he did to Damian Lillard just two years ago in the playoffs. He embarrassed Lillard that entire series, and they swept them. And Lillard, who's known for clutch moment after clutch moment, could not solve the Drew Holiday puzzle. And having that in the playoffs is such a valuable asset. Like, you look at Goran Dragic, who performed well against him in the playoffs. 
he'd be shut down by Drew Holiday. Like, if you have Eric Bledsoe guarding Goran Dragic, he can do stuff. But if you have Drew Holiday, they got to look elsewhere. It gives, it just gives us, and on offense, he's still a 20 point per game guy almost. And it's another, like, that Bucks offense is a playoff team. So, like, pressed on Middleton or Giannis has to do something. And then if they were cold or having a, like, then they had nowhere to go. And this, this guy who's smart, longtime veteran, played in a decent amount of playoff games. It's a perfect fit for him. Right. I mean, Damian Lillard called him the best defender in the NBA. I probably would call him that, too, if he shut me down like the way he did. Um, but you talked about, like, the experience that Drew Holiday brings. That's just a great decision maker for the Milwaukee Bucks to get on offense. And a team where you're right outside of Giannis and Chris Middleton, who's, I mean, they, they had Eric Bledsoe, they had George Hill, both went in this trade. But we're talking about a guy who's, who's going to give you, a, you know, great decision making on the offensive end and, and just a, a great player. Like, I love I love Drew Holiday. One of, one, probably the most underrated player in the league, you know, you know, you know coming into this season. So he definitely helps the Bucks. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think both of these trades make sense. I mean, the Bucks are still going to be able to play the same style of basketball. I just think they got better players to do it. I mean, we look at them; they're very reliant on the three ball, fourth most three pointers made and three pointers assisted on. When I brought in Bogdan Bogdanovich, an elite shooter in the league, top ten in three pointers made last year, and forty-one percent off of the catch and shoot which Milwaukee gets a lot of catch-and-shoot abilities. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, and they're one of the best defenses in the league. They have the best defensive rating in the league last year, and Drew Holiday is only going to better that defensive rating. I mean, I think I think it'll hurt chemistry-wise to lose Eric Bledsoe for a little bit, but this is a team that's had the same core now for, for two, three years. And what have we seen? We've seen first-round exits. We've seen a conference semifinals lost this past year, and we saw them lose to the Raptors without even giving them a good shot to go to the NBA championship. So I, I think, I think upgrading the core needed to get done and they kept Middleton and Giannis. I said it, I tweeted it actually. I said, I have yet to be scared of a Bucks team in the East that has you changed. You I'm, I'm, I think that team is legitimate. Cause it wasn't the regular season. They're not worried about the regular season anymore. They, it's playoff time. They, they've won, they've won the East back to back seasons and have yet to go to a finals after it. One once was an Easter Conference Finals exit. Once was a, last year was a second round exit. So yeah. it, it's definitely the playoffs. And just when the game slows down in the playoffs and it gets so much more half court, that's where we're seeing Giannis get so compromised because he's such a full court game. Like Giannis is very compromised in the half court, and it was clear that Eric Bledsoe and George Hill weren't able to pick up that slack from the perimeter. You know, come playoff time, two guys where you're not going to get 20 points out per game out of George Hill or Eric Bledsoe. You might get once, you might get it twice. You're not going to get it on a consistent basis. To get that from Drew Holiday, you can rely upon that now. In the playoffs, that helps Giannis. And then you yeah. talk about Bogdan, that's just shooting. Like, when, when Giannis drives the lane, he's going to see three, four, five eyes, five sets of eyes when he drives. He's got to be able to rely on a, a catch-and-shoot guy. He's got Wesley Matthews, and now they add another one. And Bogdan, yeah. this is a great trade. I think a it's big, you, you mentioned how Drew Holiday is like one of the most underrated players in the league, maybe the most. I agree with you. But Bogdan's a guy that a lot of people don't know about either. I mean, he's been playing in Sacramento, but they're not just bringing in a, a shooter. You're not just bringing in like a J.J. Redick. Like Bogdan, can, like he is a shooter, but he can get hot more than most guys in the league. And he gives you a little more in terms can, of passing. He can play off the defending. dribble too. He's yes, not just a catcher-shooter. And off the screen. Dribble. And he's yeah. really good off the screen. I, I, I think you're not just bringing in a shooter here. You're bringing in an actual good 
basketball player that can provide you a lot of things. Well, 100%. We saw him do a little bit in the bubble, too. He was very good in the bubble in Sacramento's eight only games that they played uh, in the bubble. But it's great. And, and, and more creators. That's what I looked on this Bucks team. Like, they were talented from top to bottom. But there's only really two guys who can create. And Giannis, like, one and a half. Because Giannis can create in perfect scenarios. But it's limited to where he can create. And two more creative offensive minds that they bring into the and they bring into the fold, they bring into the mix in Bogdan and Drew. That's what's going to help them. That like Giannis is going to do Giannis. Giannis is going to be thirty points per game, you know, damn near thirty points per game, and, and give you a solid output. But there's going to be times where like load needs to be taken off of him. The, the yeah. offensive creative responsibility is going to need to be taken off of him. And well, and when he got hurt in the Heat series. I think we saw a little bit more out of Chris Middleton than we were even expecting. Like Chris Middleton blew up for like one of those final two games. We're like, oh crap, maybe Chris Middleton can do it a little bit without Giannis. But I don't think it's something to be relied upon. Like I think when, when Giannis isn't there or Giannis is having an off night, you're going to need to rely on other people to create offense for you more than just Chris Middleton. Because Brooke Lopez isn't gonna isn't the one to do that. No. So and- it, it's got to be it's got to be somewhere else. And now they get Drew. Now they get bogged down for it. You touched on it earlier, too, about um, how it's kind of convincing him to sign that Supermax stay in Milwaukee. And that, that would normally be like a, a panic move. But this didn't seem like a panic move. This was like a well thought out. This is about as best you can get. And and now Giannis, who, who's won MVP and has talked about, um, well, I want the championship. I want the championship. Now is a little more, not even a little, a lot more convinced to stay in Milwaukee that they could do it. So this is a great move by the Bucks. There's definitely an incentive because – there, there could be a reason that the Bucks got complacent. Like, they're, they're, like a lot of teams would be like, hey, we just need to get over the hump, but we got the players to do it. Stay here, build with what we got, and we'll, we'll push past whatever wall we're getting, you know, we're, we're coming up against. But for a guy who's looking at greener pastures right on the other side of the window, you got to change stuff up for him. You got to, you got to get him. On a I, have a problem, I have a problem with that. The reason why the Bucks haven't, succeed in the playoffs because Giannis has been ass when it's mattered it's not like it's not like LeBron where he was in Cleveland he was playing his heart out and then they'd still lose because his supporting well, players were terrible Giannis Giannis against the Raptors averaged like 21 points per game on less than 40% shooting and against Miami it was like roughly the same barely 20 points per game on less 40% shooting he is the back-to-back MVP and his playoff disappointments are ridiculous and the fact that he thinks oh i need to move somewhere else to get a better chance to win like no like you need to play better and if you played better you would have won a chip they would have won the chip two years ago if he just plays like normal Giannis in the in that raptor series and he didn't come out normally he can't play normal Giannis in the playoffs teams key in on that like you don't get normal that's his problem not his team's problem You've got to learn how to go past what, it. What, when, when I'm the Milwaukee Bucks and my MVP is leaving, guess whose problem it becomes? It becomes my problem now, not just the Giannis problem. So the, and, and Kyle, that's the great, that's the, the best point that was probably made in this podcast so far is the changes they made, like, it is the, probably the most well-thought-out changes you can make. It isn't just, okay, let's change it, let's get better players, let's move some pieces around. It's like, where do we fall short? Where does Giannis fall short? And then, they, and then they filled those gaps. Yeah, the, the timing worked out for them um, with Giannis on the doorstep because they have had two straight seasons of regular season, just amazing success. Mm-hmm. And after the first season, and you make... Yeah, and after the first season, and you make the Eastern Conference Finals, you don't really necessarily think you need to move a lot of stuff up. 
But after a second season of regular season success, and then you get to the playoffs and do nothing again, and Giannis is on the doorstep. I mean, it, it was it was time, and they made great moves. Is, is they are great what, moves. Is this what keeps? I may, maybe we have to see to the end of next season, but is this what keeps them? Yeah, I, I they um well he can sign the supermax this like this offseason. But yeah, and and I saw a report today. The Bucks said they're operating um, under the thought that he is signing that supermax. Oh, you gotta operate under that. If they were operating under he's not signing, then I think this offseason looks a lot it, different. It, you blow that it, shit up. He's not paying. It didn't seem like super like like it was like an optimistic take though. It seemed like okay, he's signing, like it's gonna happen. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Tom will tell. Giannis, Giannis is one of those guys where he'd rather do it in Milwaukee than leave and go somewhere else. But I think the the over the the over prevailing thought of I want a championship would motivate him to go somewhere else to, to get it. Because I also think while I do think these are good moves, I think Giannis needs a number two that's a little better than Chris Middleton. Like, like I think his number two needs to be like a Jimmy Butler level, who's a one notch above Chris Middleton. Yeah, I've always thought that for a while. It, it's so hard. It's so hard because Middleton is like right here, and the guy you need is like an inch higher than him. Literally run one inch higher. That's why I say Jimmy Butler. Like it hasn't got to be Anthony Davis, but it's got to be like a little better than Chris Middleton. A, a holiday as a three, though, and the Bogdan maybe he has a breakout year could be enough. I, I I think they've added talent, no doubt. So maybe that inch can get made up with the rest of the team they have around him. And I, and I like that Drew Holiday doesn't just bring one side of the court. Bogdan kind of brings one side of the court. But the Bucks are, I mean, they were the number one team in defensive rating at the end of the regular season, too. That couldn't be compromised. That needed to stay there. Drew Holiday and make sure that stays there. And you talk about the guards in the East that they got to beat. They got to beat Kemba if he stays in Boston. I've heard a lot of stuff from Boston trying to shop Kemba. But he's got to beat Kemba. He's got to beat Jimmy Butler. He's got to beat Kyrie. Like, he's, he, there, there's a lot of guards in the East, a lot of great guards in the East that they got to overcome. Kyle Lowry again. Like, they... They got to overcome a lot of these guards. Drew Holiday's definitely going to help them and definitely going to stay there. But I think I think Giannis stays. I think just because he, he's going to want to make it happen in Milwaukee, doesn't want to start all over again. He's comfortable. He, he He's one of those players that really embodies Milwaukee in the other way around. So, you know, I, I definitely think he stays. Good moves by them, but... I mean, I'm, I'm excited for I'm excited for draft night, man. Yeah. These could not be. These are not going to be the only moves. I mean, I haven't looked at my phone in the half an hour that we've been recording, and I'm sure we'll just drop a bomb or two in, in this last half an hour. Like, I, I'm sure you want to get an update. You guys want to check real quick to see if we're missing. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have Woj's updates like get me notifications. I don't see anything. So okay. unless I turn the notifications off, there's nothing. Quiet before the storm. Well, the draft starts like an hour and a half, so maybe teams are just waiting until it actually starts to... You just reminded me, too. I got to turn those updates off because Woj likes to spoil every single pick. Everyone. Everyone. I do that. Last, I learned that the hard way last year. Yeah. And, and a, a little side conversation. Side conversation. We're going to turn a side conversation here because I like the point that you just brought up. Does that ruin it for y'all? Like, when, like when you're sitting there before the draft, because Schefter does it for the NFL, too. Yeah, it, you're it, waiting for the draft, and then Schefter tweets half an hour before the pick comes out. You know that oh, you know, blah 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 is is you know taking the number one overall. This is who they're taking with the number one overall pick. The, the Bengals are taking Joe Burrow with the number one overall pick, and I'm like, they, like, why even watch this then? I'm about to go yeah. flip something else. It ruins it until my team drafts, and then after that, I'm like, oh, where? I can just keep up on my phone. And we're like late first round, anyways. 
right, especially right. like in this draft like no one really so no one really gives me hope. sometimes it's fun like sometimes it's like so, sometimes it's like someone i can't think of an example but it's like not i don't mean to shit on the bucks but it's like the bucks are trading up to take robert or aguayo and like you see that notification and you're like oh i can't wait till everyone finds this out and it's like funny that was, that was real fucked up what you just said because i i when you said Bucks, I'm thinking Milwaukee Bucks, and you said Roberto Aguayo, and like my skin crawled. Now we yeah. really, we really traded up in the second round to get a kicker. He was, he is still the best statistical college kicker of all time. Yeah, it, him, it, him, him and Black Shield from from Georgia, but yeah, you know what? Back to the worst thing though. It is fun if you're like watching the draft with someone, and it is like a pick you don't really care about, and you're like, oh. Yo, they need to draft this guy right now. They need it. This would be the best thing. And then they do it. And then your friend's like, whoa. Now, see, normally I'm not interested in, in the NBA draft late first round and the second round. But there are guys like Miles Powell, Marcus Howard, guys like that who are going to go late first round, second round. But I'm just really interested to see where they end up. Yeah, like, those are interesting. Real investment in them when they're playing in college. So I'm like, I'm really interested to see where guys like that end up. They remind me of like Carson Edwards last year, like second rounder to the Celtics, like a guy like that. Those are interesting, but I mean, this draft's not that deep outside of like the top 10 to me. Well, Marcus Howard, I don't know. Marcus Howard, to me, really fits the style of NBA. Like he's he's a create from 25 feet plus. Like not many guys can create from that far away, like a Trey Young prototype where like he's got to be picked up at half court or he's in there. He's in range as soon as he crosses like the half court straight. Um, I agree that. But no second segment, you know, this week. We're getting ready for the NBA draft. So, Kyle, it's just time to tell us what happened this past week in sport. All right. So, we've already touched on two big trades of the week, but um, some more trades happened. So, first, we had Dennis, <coughs> sorry, Dennis Schroeder was dealt in principle for now. It'll be official tonight to the defending champions, Lakers, for the 28th pick in the draft and Danny Green. And then Danny Green got moved again, which we did say, but we didn't get into all the specifics. So, the Sixers traded Al Horford a 2025 first rounder and tonight's 34th overall second round pick for green and Terrence Ferguson from the thunder. And then there's also rumors of the warriors dealing that number two pick. So definitely some stuff to look out for, but you've touched on it. It's a tough time to do this past week in sports right now, because I know something big is going to happen tonight and we missed right. it. But. I just want to say one, one thing about Danny green. So 20, 2019, he goes to a new team, wins a title 2020 goes to a new team, wins a title 2021. The three P. Here you go. I like it. I like it. I like it. Matt has Matt has this great way of like spinning stats to make himself like feel a whole lot better about his situation. That's it's so that's, fun. You could when you know how to lie with stats, it's really fun to do it to suit yeah, yourself. Really someone's world sideways with with the way that you come out with like, stats. Like I remember when like the Eagles traded for Sam Bradford and I like spun it in the way that oh he's actually pretty good and but, can stay healthy. But it's crazy because you do it in a way that people are like oh shit yeah like that that could happen like people listen to this podcast are like oh shit. Danny Green is the prophet for a championship. <laughs> We're about, about to get a championship. But I do think of, of a second round this year and a future first round is too much for Danny Green. It's worth it to get that, that Al Horford contract off. Yeah, that's the big thing. Like Matt said earlier, I worry about the 2025 pick in 2024. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with this now. Okay. I mean, Man, I'll be 30 in 2025, so... Like, I have a lot of things in my life I have to worry about before that first round pick. That's, that's very true. That's very true. 
All right, moving forward. So Dustin Johnson secured his first green jacket on Sunday after a dominant run in this year's Masters. The score of 20 under was the tournament's best in Masters history and a fitting cap off to a phenomenal, phenomenal season that he had. He'll defend the jacket in just six months as the Masters is back on schedule next year. But it's time to celebrate now. So congrats to Dustin Johnson. It's weird that the Masters is closing a great season instead of like opening one. I yeah. know. It was weird as hell, like switching between football and the Masters. And the Masters. I loved it. I, and it wrapped up like just in time for the four o'clock slate, which was actually bigger than the one o'clock slate this past weekend. So it was. I, they actually, now they probably did that because of the Masters, now that I think about it. But yeah, I've been a big yeah, Dustin Johnson fan. No CBS games because CBS had the Masters. That's what it was, yeah. I've been a big fan of Dustin Johnson, especially in recent years after he was suspended and came back. And to get the first green jacket was huge after he just won a tour championship. So Yeah, he got I, I started liking him once he got screwed over at Whistling Straits in the PGA Championship in 2010, where he grounded his club in a bunker that no one thought was a bunker. Um, cost himself a shot at the playoff. And then I got the was lucky enough that I saw him play 36 holes of his first major victory at the US Open in Oakmont, because I had tickets to Friday. It rained on Thursday, so we played both rounds on Friday. And me and my friend Alex followed him the whole day. And he he's a stunning golfer to watch in person. Uh, there's like a 600-yard hole in Oakmont, and he hit a drive. Like, and I was watching him from the spot, and I and I like could not believe how far that ball went. Be, me being like, I was like, like a, it's one thing to like see it on TV, and then you watch it live. But like, this guy's like inhuman. Like, yeah. the skill to have that to generate that much clubhead speed is incredible. And he's like an ice cold player too. Like, he was yeah. 19 under in the Masters, and he was putting like it was like the second round of the Waste Management Open. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's he a just, real tournament. That's a real. Yeah, tournament. it's a real. It's a real tournament. But uh, yeah, he's. I mean, just what he did on Saturday, where he hit every single fairway and then missed one green, which was on 18, and you just knew he had it won. But congrats to Dustin Johnson. We're going to move on. So we have some more COVID news. So nearly the entire Las Vegas Raiders defense is heading on the reserve slash COVID-19 list due to high-risk close contacts. They're heading into a huge Sunday night game against the Chiefs where the players will be eligible if they continue to test negative. But the Raiders have already had their bye week. So this is something for sure to keep an eye on. Losing a whole defense, they might still have to play with backups against the Chiefs. I mean, people got it. COVID is exploding all across the country now. And... It might get real bad. We might need like another like lockdown, lockdown, which is like, not going to be good. We have to wrap our heads around it at this. I point. think it's coming. Yeah, I think it's coming. If I'm the NFL, like we got to start doing something different. Like uh, clearly, what we're doing is not working. Like we're we're continuing to get positive tests. Where we might have to cancel games, or you know, third stringers going to have to play on a Sunday night. Like stuff's got to stuff's got to change. Like we're just so just so stubborn as a as a country. As an organization, the NFL is like they're just continuing to do things the same way. It's clearly not working. Yeah, I, I think we're heading towards another lockdown, and the last one meant no sports. And I would like to say, I mean, I, I, being a sports fan, but I mean, you got to pull sports at that point. Yeah. If I'm a college basketball player, I'm not I, thinking I'm playing right now. Two hundred fifty thousand people have died, and a lot more will. It's it's re- people like because it's been around so long, people have gotten like. Oh, it's not a big deal anymore. It's like, no, it's really, really bad. It's still really bad. People are really starting to adopt it. And what's even worse, sports leagues are starting to adopt it as just like, it's like another injury. Like, oh, he's questionable because of COVID. Like, no, that, sh- that shouldn't be the case. Like, if they, like that, that absolutely shouldn't be the case. And Kyle, I agree. Like, college basketball season is right around the corner. Schedules, out-of-conference schedules got released today. Like, yeah. like people are gearing up. To play, and if I'm a college basketball player, like how, how do I feel safe? 
Yeah, I agree. And then, so we did not have any Woj bomb when you checked in on me earlier. This one is not quite a bomb, but I did get the alert on my phone about a second ago, so I'll read it out. Golden State guard Clay Thompson will undergo testing within the next few days on a leg injury suffered in this USC workout or South California workout today. Um, the severity is unclear, but he's coming off of a torn ACL on his left knee, and they're saying it's the same leg. Oh, that's terrible news. Prayers up to Clay. You know, you, you can be a Warriors fan or not, but you got to appreciate the game that Clay Thompson brings. And, like, I just want to see all players back healthy. Like, I want to see the back. He was a staple of durability before that injury, too. He played, like, he missed, like, one playoff game because of, like, a, the hamstring, and then, boom. Or he had blood coming out of his ear. He didn't miss the next game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. He threw his ACL and was jogging in the tunnel, came back, hit two free throws. Like, athletes, I've seen a lot of athletes do crazy things. I watched Klay Thompson tear an ACL and then run. Like, legit run up and down the tunnel, say, yeah, I'm good to go. Come hit two free throws. And then someone was like, nah, man, you tore your Yeah, you got to get off. How about Drew Brees no, playing man. with a collapsed lung and cracked ribs? That was pretty nuts, too. Yeah, people people do crazy things. Carson Wentz, too. Carson Wentz scored a touchdown on a torn ACL. Yep, but that is all I have for this past week in sports. Obviously, things to look forward to. We got the draft tonight. I'm not going to look further than that. It's going to be a fun one, but let's get into the countdown. Coming in at number five. The number of first-round draft picks the Thunder have combined between tonight and next year's draft. We talked about it a little bit. Just Sam Presti. Is, it's Sam Presti, a steep cliff, and then every other GM that's operating right now. And he knows what his team needs. Like, it's amazing what he's able to do with getting rid of bad contracts twice, getting compensation back not only in draft picks, but players that still make his team competitive. Like, there's yeah. no mistake going on for the Thunder. The Thunder aren't going to be the greatest team in the NBA, but they're still going to be exciting to watch. People are going to want to watch the Thunder, and oh yeah, they have draft capital for like the next six, seven years in the first round. It's nuts. It's impressive watching them do the process without having to tank, and they're doing it so well. They're doing it so well. Yeah, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Let's go to number four. The number of interceptions Russell Wilson has thrown in the past few games since he trademarked the phrase, let Russ cook. He also has three lost fumbles in that time. Russ is really, I think he's out of the MVP race now, and everyone's yeah. like trying to hype him up. He, he's like behind like Kyler Murray at this point. Like uh, just Ross, a cold stretch. Uh, and uh, just don't get too cocky. You should wait till the end of the year to trade Mark Westbrook. And then, oh, that's like one of the most humble guys, Suda. He started reading his own headlines, started letting it get to him, forgot that he's working with one of the worst defenses in the league. You can't turn the ball over, you're going to lose games. Like, you, you just can't. Um, so Russ, the shaky baby. <laughs> yeah, we haven't we haven't put out those picks yet that we made, but uh, I'll spoil my MVP pick of Patrick Mahomes, and Russ is uh, helping me out. Yes, sir. My pick was my pick was Patrick Mahomes too. All right, let's move into number three. The number of different Steelers coaches since 1969. Only Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin have been head coach of the Steelers since '69. To put that in perspective, there have been five different popes. <laughs> During that same period, like I, I, I know who put this stat in. That that's a stat mad stat if I've ever heard one. But I got is, it from Reddit. I did steal it from Reddit, but okay. I thought it was great. And that is great, and it's just like the Steelers know how to do two things: draft defensive players and pick the right head coach. Because when they get a head coach, he stays. They just have success. Mike Tomlin is—he's going to. I think he should be coach of the year this season. Um, I mean, he's got the only undefeated team left in the NFL, just one of the best coaches in the modern era. No doubt. Yeah. 
Him or Flores probably coach of the year, but if they keep going, it's Tomlin. But Cliff, yeah, that's Cliff has a shot too. Cliff does have a shot. Yeah, they have to turn it around. Well, I guess keep turning it around. But they're not first yeah. in the NFC West right now, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the track. But that's impressive. Sixty years, Jesus. Yeah. Did it say sixty? Sixty-nine. All right. Fifty years. Crazy. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, fifty years. Fifty years. All right, number two. The number of consecutive games the San Marino national soccer team has gone without losing both games. That's the first time in the history of the club. Just shout out to San Marino's a tiny country for I've people never who heard. don't know. It's yeah, like a country, it's like it's like a city inside of like a country. Only 33,000 people live there and they're forced to play in UEFA because they're in Europe. So they just get battered by team. So wow. they went two straight games without losing. So shout out to they got I less people. They got they got like the population of Westchester, like a little more yeah. probably. Hey, hey, baby steps, man. Baby's got to walk. That's impressive, and they have a soccer team. The fact, I mean, yo, the fact that they even just didn't lose two games and they're working like that's UEFA. That's that's Europe, man. Like that. Imagine like being in like if I were a good soccer player from San Marino, I'd be looking for like, oh, my grandfather was from Germany. I'm gonna play for Germany. Oh, <laughs> I'm getting cool. I'm getting James, you said the you know who put in the last one. Why well, know who put in this one? And I'm happy you put it in, man. That's that's interesting. I think they're an answer on my geography test in like tenth grade. So there you go. There you that's go. how I know who they are. But uh, number one, the number the number of more triple doubles Luka Doncic had than the entire Utah Jazz franchise. That's twenty. That's twenty five. He has the entire Utah Jazz franchise has twenty four. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Luka Doncic has been in the year, been in the league for two seasons. What? Jazz are his fourth franchise. I mean, that's that, absolutely insane. I know triple doubles are more of like a modern era thing, and there were a few in the eighties and nineties. We get a lot more now, but that is ridiculous. That. But like, but I don't know if that's more impressive for Luka or if that's like Utah. Someone just go and chase triple doubles at this point. Like, that. I mean, Stockton was too too small to rebound. Yeah, Malone couldn't pass. Yeah, that, <laughs> Malone couldn't. Malone didn't pass. You need, like, you need a good back in the day. You needed to be like a good six foot eight player, and the Jazz have always had like good. Six foot players and like six foot ten players. Even it was like Darren Williams and Boozer and that. I was like, about to say, after Stockton alone, the only one I could think of yeah. that could like get triple doubles for the Jazz would be like Darren Williams. Like Andre Karolinko isn't going to get you. Triple like Gordon doubles. Hayward doesn't pass enough. Yeah, that, that, that's not going to happen. So That'll I, be it. That's going to be a good race to keep up on though in the modern era. I mean, we could see Donovan Mitchell maybe snag a few rebounds. Oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Donovan, if you're listening, man, you can't allow that to continue. You got to come out first five games of the season and give you a triple double just to even shit out next season for sure. Oh, that's end of the countdown. It's almost we're almost out of time for this episode. of straight facts. We can get some shots about the buzzer, though. Matt, anything to say at the buzzer? So I just started a job being a delivery driver for Amazon, and I found one pet peeve. So my hours have been like twelve to eight thirty, so it gets dark around halfway through my shift. Make sure your mailboxes have the fucking numbers on it. <laughs> it makes it so much harder when there's no numbers on the mailbox. Or they're like tiny. Just make them big so I can see them with my headlights. Just put the numbers on your fucking mailbox. It's not Bro, that difficult. Pick, and it, it goes a long way in helping delivery drivers. You picked a hell of a time to start being an Amazon delivery driver. Like holiday season is literally here. Like I, I'm, I'm praying for you, man, because you about to be, it's about to be hectic for you. But Kyle, probably man, the was it? I was gonna well real quick. I was gonna say on that probably like the most online orders Christmas season in history too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Shutdown too. But uh, yeah, first off, I just want to say thanks to everyone that uh, listened and followed along with my big board. That was really fun to make. I've gotten a lot of DMs, texts, 
um, a lot of stuff on there. Those videos are also on YouTube. If you don't know, we have a YouTube page, so that's nice. But my shout ups up at the buzzer is about what the big board pertains to, and that's the NBA draft. And Sixers just don't mess this one up. I, I see one good first round pick since we took Ben Simmons. I mean, the year after we took Markel, we knew what happened there. The year after we messed up the freaking Mikael Bridges and got Zaire Smith. I have no faith in that. And the only good first round pick I really liked was when we took Landry Shamit that year. And well, he didn't even play 60 games for us. Going on, obviously, we took Ty Jerome and turned that into Matisse. I don't know about Matisse. I, I like him, but I can see his ceiling just being an average role player. So let's find someone this draft. No more projects. I'm sick of that. If anyone from my big board falls, take them. And if not, look, take someone that's established, please. Right, just take, a, take, take a Josh Green. The best person there. Like it's okay to take the, the next big exactly. Player. And like, and and I would really shy away from taking like a Texas Tech or Washington guy. And I, I know Jalen McDaniel's is up there. Yeah, but but. but I, I, I don't know if I could do that to myself. Maybe Matisse flipped the watch. Zaire accidentally ate a sesame seed on the side. So I almost like, don't blame the pick. I don't I don't blame him, but I still didn't like that I still didn't like that pick. But yeah, let's just take someone legit tonight or trade the pick. I know Horford's gone now, so that buddy heel trade's kind of out of the picture. But don't mess it up. Sixers, if you're listening, you got a lot of pressure on you now, man. Kyle, don't mess it up. Can't mess it up. All I got to say is that the buzzer is here in Philadelphia, we've entered our second quote-unquote lockdown. We're not all the way locked down, but uh, COVID restrictions have been placed upon us. I know a couple of other major U.S. cities, they've been placed upon us. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast on a regular basis and you've made it all the way to the end to at the buzzer, you've heard me say, you've heard Kyle say, you've heard Matt say, you've heard Jake say, you heard all of us say it. But like at some point, we have to embrace the fact that it's not going to get better unless we do our job. And we're just going to stay in a pandemic until we do what's necessary. So in this next lockdown, it's too cold to be outside anyway. Stay inside unless you absolutely have to. Wear a mask. Be six feet. Because when it starts to get warm out again, when it gets to the March and April months, I don't want to still be having to deal with COVID. So please, everybody, wear a mask. It's the best thing for the country. And, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get the move on and hopefully put this pandemic in the past but that's all the time we have for this episode of straight facts we're gonna go watch the nba draft there's a whole lot to be had big ups yes, to my friend matt robinson and kyle Sarek for doing what they do i'm james jackson these have been the facts straight up